morning. Good morning. It's good to see you today. You look well rested. Is everybody well rested? You get your, or did some of you just decide you're going to stay up a little bit later anyway? Well, anyway, it is so good to see you on this bright, sunny, beautiful, cool uh, fall morning. Um, we're here to worship Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. He's the center of attention here today. Uh, we're focused on him and him alone. And we want him to have his way with us today in this service. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. I want to let you know that if you want to fill out a visitor's card, you can do that through scanning with your phone app, uh, camera app, that QR code in the bulletin. And you can fill that out. We'll know that you worshiped with us today. A few other announcements. Um, Lord's Supper service and Thanksgiving meal. We'll have those in two weeks from today. Um, so... Um, if you have any questions about the meal, um, feel free to see Marsha about that. Uh, our business meeting will be next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Uh, the business meeting agenda is posted on the bulletin board, and I want to make you aware uh, the deacons are bringing to the church a recommendation for how to select deacons, something that we would add to our constitution and bylaws so that every time we get ready to, to, to select deacons, uh, it's the process is already laid out for us. It is printed out and it's on the bulletin board along with the agenda and the foyer. So if you would like to look at that, you may. If you want me to email it to you, I'm glad to do that. But we're also in need of Advent readers, and we start Advent on the 28th of November. So if you're interested in helping us out by reading a, um, a short devotional on those days, it's the four Sundays before Christmas Eve, we'd love to have you do that. If you're still interested in donating to the Louisiana Hurricane Relief, we have not sent that in yet, right, Marcia? We haven't sent in the hurricane, okay. Uh, and then also, uh, next weekend, we will, we will dedicate our Operation Christmas Child boxes. The Women of the Word on Tuesday, they are going to have their, uh, their meeting. They're going to fill as many boxes as they can. Uh, but there are still empty boxes in the foyer you can grab one, take home, and fill yourself. If you'd like to donate to the Women of the Word, uh, they would be glad to take that and uh, use that to, to fill a box. If you're listening to us online, if you go to uh, the video description, you'll find a, a link to a connection card. You can fill out the connection card there, but it also has announcements on there, and in the announcements, you'll find a spot where if you want to fill a box online, you can click on that link, and it will take you to a spot where you can do that online. Um, Jerry was supposed to remind me that December 4th and 5th will be our uh, Center Kids Silent Auction. And uh, Jerry, do you need to pass on anything else related to that? Okay. All right, so Jerry's looking for donations. Okay, so uh, we'll get you more information as that gets closer, but put that on your calendar for December 4th and 5th. Do we have any other announcements that uh, need to be made at this time? All right. This morning we're baptizing Kyson Shanklin. Uh, had the opportunity with Brandon and Kyson uh, before we had the big charade, the big blow up with uh, our baptistry not working. Um, had the opportunity to sit and talk with Brandon and Kyson and uh, hear about how God has been working in Kyson's life. For a while, uh, it's been obvious to Brandon that God has been working in Kyson's life. Kyson uh, shared with me that he had uh, repented of his sins, he had trusted Jesus for his Savior and Lord, and that he wanted to follow in baptism. 
And I want to remind us, and I'll be brief, because you're going to hear about baptism a lot over the next little bit, because we have a line of people to baptize. But I just want to remind you that um, baptism doesn't save you. There's nothing special about this water. It is simply um, the first step of obedience that a person takes after they've received Jesus as Savior and Lord. It has some symbolism to it um, that's very real. Um, when I lower Christ in the water, um, it's going to demonstrate, and I'm going to say this, buried with him, with Christ, by baptism into death. And that means that Christ is identified with Christ. Paul says it this way. He is in Christ. And so when Christ died, Christ's sins died along with Christ. And when Christ was raised, Christ was raised with him. And so the new life that Christ is able to give now lives in Christ and shame. And so there's a picture of him dying to his old self, that sin, and being raised to walk in newness of life. And so today we baptize Tyson Shane. as your Savior and Lord, repented of your sins and put your faith in Him, you commit to follow Him all the days of your life. Then on the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Him by baptism into death, raised to walk in newness of life.
morning. I found a really old book this week. In fact, it was published about the time I was born. I mean, we're talking really old. How many of you like to draw? Can you draw? Um, these are drawings done by an artist. These aren't photographs because there weren't cameras back when Jesus was a little boy. But this is the sweetest picture of Jesus with his cousin, John, John the Baptist. Do you guys have cousins? Aren't they wonderful? Tyson, I bet you have some cousins here today, don't you? Cousins are the most awesome thing in the world. And I, I got to thinking about families. Families are so special. God created us and placed us in families. Um, and I thought about a verse in the Bible where it talks about Jesus sitting, um, talking to his disciples, and there were multitudes. Do you know how many that is? Multitudes? That's a whole bunch. Way more people than are sitting here in the sanctuary with us this morning. They were all gathered around Jesus. And there were people that saw Jesus' brothers and his mother walk up outside, and they came running in and said, Jesus, your family is here. Your mother and your brothers are here. And you know what Jesus said? He said, basically, right here, this is my family. This is my mother and my brothers. Well, do you think that that meant he didn't care about his mother and his brothers? No. Not at all. What he meant was that... There's more than one kind of family. There's the family that you're born into, and then there's the family that there are people that um, you're like, you, that you love. Like this church is our church family. And, you know, last week we saw Addie, and today we saw Kyson, and it was like they stepped out of the world and into this family of God. I asked Denise to sing us a song this morning that we're all familiar with, if she would. this morning for my little brother in Christ, my little sister in Christ, and all of my family that's here. I'm thankful that God has put me in a, a family of love. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, you, you are the designer, the creator of families, that you are love. You're the source of love, Father. Thank you for the love that we feel when we step into this church with our family of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
worshiping you for everything that you've done. Rejoicing in the fact that what you've done is not all there is. But we have hope. Be glorified in this today. Make a loud shout to God, all the earth. Sing praise for the glory of his name. Establish his praise as glorious. Say to God, how fearsome are your works. Because of the abundance of your strength, your enemies will cower before you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God, who is fearsome in his deeds toward the sons of men. Some of you may not know this song. I want to teach it to you. So let me sing this verse over you. Come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see. Come and see what love has won. In this place. There you go. And lives waking up to the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Oh, the author of salvation. Shall we now fear our shame? 
me say this as an encouragement to our pastor. We have a pastor who preaches the gospel. Not a make yourself better, not a home improvement, but the gospel. And the joy of that is that when the gospel is preached, there is something to come and see. Because lives are changed, they wake up. So let's bow our heads. I want to sing this over you as an invitation. standing, if you'll take your Bible and turn to John 10, your copy of God's Word, turn to John chapter 10, being verses 25 to 27. You know, when I hear that song that we just sang, by the way, James, I I like that song, and I hope it grows on us, Um, just reminds me of the woman at the well, you know, she's a lady that didn't have much to hang her hat on, but Jesus reached out to her. And when that was all said and done, uh, she left her water pot. She didn't even get the thing that she was going there to get. She got something unexpected, and it changed her life. And she went back into town, and she said, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And I think the implication there is, and he still loves me. He saw something in me that's worth saving, and he saved me. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. This is God's word. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for the truths in this text. If we belong to you, if we are the sheep of your pasture, we are secure. Nothing can snatch us out of the hand of the Father or the Son. We take great comfort in that and we praise you for it. For we all know, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in you, repented of our sins, we know that if it were up to us to hold on to our salvation, we would have already been doomed. Thank you for keeping us and holding on to us for an inheritance that is undefiled and waiting for us. We praise you. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. If you would please have a seat. The title of this morning's message is Getting Saved, Persevering in the Faith. Uh, You might feel like we've been persevering through this long sermon series, but um, I think it's been beneficial for us. Um, And how do I know this? It's not because... Of anything I've done, it's what we just sang about in the song. Hearts and lives are waking up. I believe, you know, what James said is true. When the gospel is preached, uh, there's always something to come and see. And we have seen people. 
take steps of faith, come forward. Uh, I, I told you this while I was in the, the baptistry. There are more people yet to baptize. Um, some of them are making professions of faith. Some of them, it's just time for them to join our church. And I'm grateful for that. But I don't, there's, there's no glory to be had in this agony. Uh, I mean, y'all have seen me stump my toe and put my foot in my mouth a million times. But God has done this. God has done this. And I believe it's been through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, and so uh, I don't take any credit, though. All the credit goes to God. This morning, uh, the subject, the topic of this morning's sermon is in the title, Perseverance. Uh, it's a doctrine known as the perseverance of the saints. And so when we're talking about getting saved, one of the things that we want to have to hold on to uh, when life gets really hard or when we start to wander off the path and we wonder, would Jesus let go of me? You know, I think we've all been there where we've rebelled against God, we've walked away from Him, and we've thought, what's the use? He probably doesn't want me back. You're going to hear this morning from this text how God perseveres those He purchases. I'm sorry, He preserves those He purchases. He preserves them. It's up to us to persevere, but God preserves those He purchases. So if you hear nothing else today, just understand, if you've been purchased by God, if he has put his spirit in you, to where you, in your spirit, you know, Paul calls it the spirit of adoption, whereby we come to God and we call him Abba Father. We have an intimate connection with him. You know that if he has purchased you, he will preserve you to the end. That's what Matthew 24, 13 says. And this is in the context of... <clears throat> Uh, the, the part of Matthew, Matthew 24, where Jesus is talking about the end times. And he puts this statement in there, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that is, I believe, talking about more than just the end times. That is a truth that bears itself out all throughout Scripture. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Our Baptist faith and message of 2000, uh, the, the statement of faith that our church adheres to, that we put forward as this encapsulates what we believe. It says it this way, All true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by His Spirit will never fall away from a state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Now listen to this. This is comforting. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Mark it down. It's not going to change. John Piper gives us, I think, a great way to understand the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. When we think of the term perseverance of, saint, of the saints, now notice I've underlined some terms in this statement. He says we mean that the saints, the holy ones, doesn't mean when holy, set apart, sanctified by God, the saints will and must persevere in faith, and the obedience which comes from faith. So we will persevere. That's in Scripture. 
The one who endures to the end will, will be saved. We will persevere in the faith. But we also must persevere in the faith. And notice how he says it. It's not just in faith, but it's also in the obedience that comes from faith. There is no such thing as a private faith. It is a public faith through the obedience of faith. It's, not, it's one thing to say, yes, I have faith and I believe. It's another to see that faith put into practice. James says that faith without works is dead. So it's a combination of the saints will and must persevere in faith and the obedience which comes from faith. So I've taken this statement and I've kind of used it to ask us some questions. And I put this in the first person so you can grab a hold of it and claim it as your own if you're a saint. Why will I persevere? Why will I persevere? That is a great question to know. Sometimes, I've gone through it, I doubted my faith. Not that I doubted the things of God or that I had questions about the Bible. I doubted whether or not I was saved. And you know, Jesus talks about it in here. He says, there will be some who will try to snatch you out of the hand of the Son and out of the hand of the Father. So why do I need to know? The answer to this question, why will I persevere? Well, I've already told you this. I couldn't hold on to it long. The Father and the Son preserve all whom the Son purchases. Why will I persevere? That's why. Because the Father and the Son preserve all whom the Son purchases. And we say purchases, think about the, the theological term redemption. We were enslaved to sin and we have been bought back By the blood of Christ, we have been redeemed. Jesus Christ paid a price for our life. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, we honor God with our body. We persevere. Why will I persevere? Because God's in the Son, the Father and the Son are persevering. All whom the Son purchases. Secondly, whoops. The Father has given me to the Son. Now I want you to look in the text, verse 29. It says, My Father, who has is greater, I'm sorry, my Father, who has given them to me. That's what John says. The Father has given them to me. That's what Christ is saying. And this is unchangeable. Now I don't presume to know all of what's going on behind the scenes, but God must have promised to give the Son a people. And then the Son goes and purchases that people which the Father has given to the Son. And when God gives us to His Son, that is unchangeable. Why will I persevere? The Father has given me to the Son. Secondly, Jesus gave me eternal life. This is a way that the Father and the Son preserve me. In that Jesus gave me eternal life. Notice again in verse 28. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. Never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. There is no possibility of eternal death or destruction. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross. And the blood that he shed was an atoning sacrifice. And through that atonement, when it's applied to my account, through faith and repentance, 
And I am regenerated. When I am born again. When I am brought into union with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Who is from that point on the seal that I belong to God. And the down payment in that one day I will receive the full inheritance of what Christ has given me. And the, and the time when I'm regenerated in union, in union with Christ, I'm justified through his perfect and spotless righteousness. He reconciles me to the Father who once was my enemy, and I held him to be an enemy. I was adopted into his family, and I was set apart and sanctified, made holy by the Father. Jesus has given us real, eternal life. It's not some fake. It's real. And it's eternal and Jesus gave it, and he will not remove it from us. Why will I persevere? Because the Father and the Son are securely holding on to me. Look at verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep here, I'm sorry. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Can't tell you how emphatic in the Greek that no one is. No one. I can't, I, I can't translate it well into English. It is just emphatic. No one will snatch me out of the Father's hand. Now also notice in verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Who is greater than the Father, Jesus says. Who has more power than the Father? No one does. So both the Father and the Son are securely holding on to me. And notice what Jesus says in verse 30. I and the Father are one. Now in one sense, we understand that. One God, three persons. Right? The doctrine of the Trinity. There's more to that statement than just talking about the Trinity. I believe what Jesus is saying is the Father and I are on the same page of what we began in you. We will be faithful to complete it. No one will snatch you out of my hand. There is no way you will perish. The Father and the Son are one in their commitment to preserving me in my salvation. Finally, why will I persevere? Because Jesus has a personal relationship with me. I'm not a number to him. Notice what he says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. One thing that, that, that you're taught as a pastor is know your people. You know, know who they are. Know what's going on in their lives. Know what makes them tick. Now that way you can be a better shepherd to them. Jesus has a personal relationship with every sheep. Now I don't know how many people are saved in the world right now, but I could not have a relationship with every one of them, but the incarnate Son of God who sits at the right hand of the Father, He knows you, and you can hear His voice and follow Him in a personal relationship. Why will I persevere? Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. 
And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Why will I persevere? Because it's so certain that I will that Paul talks about it in the past tense. Those whom God called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Glorification doesn't happen until after we're in the presence of the Father. But Paul talks about it as a thing that is so sure he can talk about it in the past tense. It's a done deal. Furthermore, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, Paul says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God will not take it back. What God has done in Christ is enough and it is secure. It is irrevocable. Why will I persevere? Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. It will not go undone. What God does, he ensures, gets done. He will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. I hope we understand why we will persevere. But now the question we must turn to is, why must I persevere? This is a crucial question for us to know the answer to. Why must I persevere? And this has to be said straightway so we understand completely I will not be saved unless I persevere. Now, wait a minute, Brother Shannon. Are you saying that salvation is by works? No, and hold on. Remember, Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 13, those who endure to the end will be saved. I'm not making this up. It's here in the scripture. Those who endure to the end will be saved. So Jesus is saying, if you want to be saved, you persevere, you endure. And as I already made mention, verses 28 and 29, there are forces that want to snatch you out of the hand of the Father and the hand of the Son. You must persevere against that. Because it is possible, folks, listen, listen, it is possible to believe in vain. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. It's possible to believe in vain, to not hold fast to the truth, which proves that you never really belonged to Christ. So we must persevere in our faith, in the faith and the obedience that comes from faith because it proves outwardly that we have not believed in vain. Again, I say there's no such thing as a private faith. Eternal life that is given to us by Christ produces fruit. Remember the parable of the sower? Four different kinds of soil. There's good soil, soil along the path, rocky, thorny. Only one of the four produced fruit. And that was the point of the parable, was that Jesus was pointing to producing fruit to demonstrate that you belong to the Savior. I will not be saved unless I persevere. And here's how I want to point us in how we persevere. I must choose Christ over sin and the world. And I said it that way on purpose. It's one thing to choose to not sin. It is another to choose Christ. I hope we understand that. 
choose Christ and, and drink of his glory and his beauty, his majesty, and sin will look so ugly to you. But we can still think sin is somewhat attractive and choose not to do it. We must choose Christ over sin and the world. If you've been saved, listen to me. If you've been saved, the prevailing attitude of your heart will choose Christ over sin and the world. Because you want to. No one will twist your arm. Why must I persevere? I will not be saved unless I persevere. And I persevere by battling against my remaining sin. You know, we're not saved completely. I'll get to this in a minute. We're not saved completely. That waits for glorification. There's still sin in our lives that we must battle against. And if you have been saved, you will willingly battle against your remaining sin because you realize how it detracts from the beauty and glory of Christ and how it detracts from your relationship with Him. You willingly battle against it so your relationship with Christ might be deepened and so that he might receive glory as you triumph over the remaining sin in your life. When you choose Christ and when you battle against your sin, you are striving against the forces that would snatch you out of the hand of the Father and the hand of the Son. Why must I persevere? I'm commanded to persevere. I can't point particularly to a, a commandment that says to persevere, but let me say it this way. You might think that if it's a done deal, why must I persevere? Doesn't that mean I add something to the work that God is doing? No. Otherwise, don't you realize that there wouldn't be commands, imperatives in the New Testament? We've been given these commands and imperatives so that we might have a way to persevere in the faith and in the obedience that comes from the faith. We're commanded to persevere. That's where all of the commandments come from. They're for our perseverance. Why must I persevere? This is a question that some of you might be, you have already asked. Why doesn't God perfect me and call me to heaven immediately after my conversion? Anybody else wondered that? I mean, because we understand, we read the end of, of Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't do, that's the very thing I do. I do the thing I hate. Who will hate, help me? Who will save me from this body of death? We struggle against sin. And, we, and maybe in that time we wonder, God, why didn't when I... As soon as I got done baptized, getting baptized in that freezing cold water, why didn't you just take me home right now and perfect me? This is what I think is true from the scripture. God wants to demonstrate his preserving power through your perseverance. God wants to demonstrate his preserving power through my perseverance. You know, God preserves me in my salvation, but he doesn't persevere for me. I can't preserve myself. That's God's responsibility alone. My responsibility is to persevere. And when I persevere, there's the opportunity for God to demonstrate his preserving power in your life. Why must I persevere? Hebrews 12, 14. 
Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We must persevere in holiness, in the obedience that comes from faith. Hebrews 3.14, why must I persevere? Because it shows that we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. Finally, how must I persevere? Why will I persevere? Why must I persevere? How must I persevere? It's not like we've been left to ourselves to know how we persevere. Three ways. I preserve, I must persevere in Christ's power. I must persevere in Christ's power. It's his power that is indwelling me through the Holy Spirit. I cannot fight the fight of faith apart from Jesus Christ living in me and empowering me to do what I need to do in the fight against sin. No way in my own strength, your own strength, you can prevail against Satan. But Christ has given us the power. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul says there, by faith, he's not talking about the faith that brought him to salvation. He's talking about faith in who Jesus is for him now, in that moment when he wrote this. He understood, I cannot serve Christ, love God, uh, witness, do the things that he asked me to do apart from Christ living in me. And so by faith, I grab hold of that. All that Jesus has given me, by faith, I grab hold of it. And I live by faith in him so that he might live through me. How must I persevere? I must persevere according to the Father's plan. The Father has a good plan by which we appropriate for ourselves and we put it into practice. God wants us to persevere. He doesn't leave us without power. He doesn't leave us without a plan. What is the plan? Well, it's very simple. There's a whole lot more I could say here, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I'm going to stop right there. The key point here is let us run with endurance. We must run. How many of us like running? You can look at me and tell if having a big pulpit is to my advantage. I don't like to run, but it is a metaphor that we can wrap our minds around that it's going to take effort and perseverance. You don't just take one step in a run. That's a walk. Paul says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. We didn't set the race ourselves. There is a race that is set before us, and we must run it with endurance. How do we do that? We lay aside every weight. Everything in this world that would want to... Uh, be around our feet and trip us up, we lay it aside. Anything that is an idol that keeps us from persevering and pursuing Christ and running the race, we lay it aside. And he also says lay aside the sin which clings so closely. We must do that. 
So there's a preparation for the race. As we run, we figure out, this is something that's holding me down. I get rid of it. This is a sin that's causing me to stumble. I get rid of it. And then we look to Jesus. He's the one who ran the race before us. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He gives us an example. As our founder and perfecter, Jesus saw the joy that was ahead of him. That is such a great truth. It's so cool that Jesus said, I'm going to, for the sake of the joy that's coming, endure the cross and not give one rip about the public shame that it's going to bring me because of the joy that's to come. That's an example for us for how we're to persevere. There is a joy that is waiting for us. We are just getting a little taste of it, but there's a joy that's to come that is beyond all imagination. And if we will think about that and look at Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and endure whatever comes our way, despise whatever shame comes. See, it doesn't matter one whit to me if I am ashamed. I am pursuing Christ. And just like Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, he received his reward. I'm running for my reward. That's the plan. How must I persevere? I must persevere according to God's purposes. His power, His plan, His purposes. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have, also, have, you, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work, For his good pleasure. Why do we do what we do? Why do we work out our salvation? Paul says God works in you. You work too. Why? The last statement. For his good pleasure. It's for him. Yes, we receive the benefits. But it's for God's purposes that we persevere. And so he will get glory. When we are done, all we'll be able to say is, I'm a humble servant. I've only done what I've been asked to do. God will get all of the glory. It will be shown on the last day that we worked for his good pleasure. Why will I persevere? I will persevere. I must persevere. I must persevere according to God's power, plan, and purpose. God demonstrates His preserving power through my perseverance. Some of us may be sitting here right now thinking, God must be so disappointed in me. I want you to listen to this. Jesus knew before he ever died for Peter that Peter would deny him. And what did Jesus do after he was raised? He went to Peter and he said, Do you love me? Oh, wouldn't that be one of the most, the question that would just prick your heart the most? Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus asked two more times, do you love me? Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass Peter. He was trying to restore Peter. Peter, I know you love me. I know you do. That's why I'm reaching out to you. And if you feel like Peter and you've denied your Savior, I want you to know First John 1, 9 <clears throat> 
It says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can come back. He wants you to come back. He bought you. He wants you to persevere. He will help you lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. He will help you run with perseverance. Don't remain at a distance from the Savior who closed the distance to come to you to die for you, that you might have life. If you're struggling, come to Him today. He wants you to persevere. He rejoices in all those who confess their sin and come home. Father, we thank you that those whom you save, you save to the uttermost. And Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know that there's perhaps times where we look back on earlier days in our life and we think, oh, Father, so ashamed and here we are now and we realize that the reason that we're here today is that God preserves those he purchases thank you thank you for preserving us Father Lord for those that are here today and they're struggling in their faith may they know today that there is a Savior waiting with open arms to receive them back to help them to cleanse them of sin and to help them and help them run the race with perseverance. Lord, if there are any here that don't know you as Savior and Lord, perhaps they've made a decision in the past and they realized, I, I, I think I was believing in vain, or they've never made a decision before, may they understand today through the Holy Spirit, the preaching of your word, that they need the Savior today. Lord, move in this place for your glory, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing Open Our Eyes, and I would ask you to stand. If there's any kind of decision that you need to make, I encourage you to do that at this time as we sing together. time of prayer, and, and I'm just let you know we're going to do time of prayer. Kyson's going to come down front. We're going to uh, bring him into the fellowship formally, uh, and then we'll say the Great Commission and we'll be dismissed. All right, but I do want to recognize that uh, today is uh, the Sunday before Veterans Day.
And uh, the reason that we are able to worship here um, is because there were people who put their life on the line. Um, some of them came home. Some of them did not. But we're thankful for their sacrifice. We're thankful for all the veterans. Um, are there any? I think there are some veterans here. If you would, are you, are you the okay? Where did you serve? That's what I thought. Where did you serve? Okay. Did you serve in a in a conflict anywhere? Okay. All right. Well, we are grateful for our veterans, those who have put their life on the line, and. Uh, I want to pray for our veterans and, and for our current military, uh, for our country, because Lord knows we, we, we need it. So if you would just join me in a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful um, to be citizens of the United States of America. I still believe, and I think many of us do, if not all of us, that we live in the greatest country in the world. And uh, our country, we know, was founded upon um, great truths. Um, we are thankful for the democracy, the republic in, in which we live and all the people who came before. We're especially grateful for those who uh, were willing to serve, put their lives on the line, even to the point of going uh, to a foreign country and serving there. Uh, we appreciate their service. And uh, we pray for those that are currently in the military, those that are serving, and their families. Pray that they would be blessed on this day, this, this week, uh, where we remember our veterans. And Lord, we, we think of our country, and, and we pray, God, that you would uh, reverse the course that we are on right now. We pray for revival. We pray for a great awakening. We pray for, that the gospel will be preached loudly and clearly and that people's hearts would be uh, reborn, that they would repent of their sin, put their faith and trust in Jesus, and that you do a great work in our country in our day. We love you, Father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Kyson, you and your family, anybody wants to come down? Just you? Kyson the popsicle. Are you warmed up now? Let me see. Okay. He's warmed up. It was awfully cold in there. So, Kyson, you want to be a member of our church. Is that right? Okay. Um, so, you're coming into our church as, you're just not a kid. You're a member of our church. Okay? This is your church family. All right? These people, they're committing to love you. They're committing to pray for you. They're committing to, if you get off on, the, on a wayward path, they're going to they're gonna come help you get back on the wayward path. They want you to follow Jesus. They want you to persevere in your faith. And so they're going to love you. They're going to pray for you. But at the same time, you owe them the same thing. It's your responsibility to love them, pray for them. If they get off the, beaten, off the, the path of following Christ, that you need to help them get back on the path in a loving way. You promise to do that for the church? Okay, church, do you promise to do that for Kyson? Amen. So Kyson's presenting himself for uh, membership today. What's your pleasure concerning his candidacy? Amen. Okay, well, that's good. What they mean is, I move we accept him, and everybody said amen. So you're officially now a member of our church. We are glad to have you. Um, you've always been here, but now you're, you're a different member of the family. All right, we're going to uh, let Kyson stay up here. You'll be able to come by in just a moment and welcome him officially into the family, hug his neck. You want kisses today? No kisses today. Okay. All right. All right. I thought you might want to get warmed up good. All right. We're going to say the Great Commission, and then we're going to be dismissed. Hope, hope you're able to come tonight. Let's stand, and we'll say this together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go there.